G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to Series 9 of This Week in Startups Australia. Throughout Series 9, we're focusing on one question. What is it that makes a startup successful? Is it a great idea? Is it a great team? Is it great customers? Or is it something else altogether? This is an important question for startups, a fundamental question. And on this series, we are looking for answers. We're talking to people who have been successful, asking them how it happened. And we're talking to people who make success their business. Michelle Duval has built a business around helping to identify the traits and the talent that every business needs to be truly successful. She'll share what she's learned helping other businesses and how she's applied what she's learned to her own journey as an entrepreneur. Drilling down to tap the wellspring of success on this episode of This Week in Startups Australia. Twister is sponsored by Odoo, a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that let you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. Go to odoo.com slash twista to check it out. This Week in Startups Australia is also sponsored by user testing. Experience what your customer experiences with user testing. Request your free trial at usertesting.com slash twista and get the fast human insights you need to make more informed business decisions at scale. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by Squarespace. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build a beautiful online presence and run your business. Go to squarespace.com slash Twista for a free trial. Twista's production partner for Series 9 is UTS Startups, where they're equipping a new breed of startup founders by inspiring students to launch their own venture and build the foundation for a successful career. To learn more about UTS Startups, go to startups.uts.edu.au. There are a lot of people who manage people who are running around believing that everything is soon going to go back to the way it was before. And from my own observation, the higher up you go in the organization, the more likely you are you're going to confront people who are holding this kind of attitude. And that is a problem and not just for their employees because these managers, if they can't adapt, their organization is going to fall progressively behind. And trust me, we will be seeing a lot of that happening over the next couple of years. Because if these organizations can't find a way to be as flexible as their employees have had to be because of the pandemic, those organizations are basically going to lose their best workers to organizations and to managers who get it, who have learned how to be flexible and have learned an important new skill, which is how to be in continuous negotiation with your staff. All of that calls for a really serious upskilling in the management class in all of the organizations that we know of. 
because basically none of them walked into those jobs suspecting that they would be spending their time doing those things. It calls for listening. It calls for reflecting. It calls for responding, not just once, not just during an annual review, but all the time. So this isn't a one-off. This is the new normal. Okay. So what happens when you find yourself with a growing gap between your needs and your capabilities? Well, that's probably when you call in Michelle Duval. Her startup, Fingerprint for Success, offers coaching to help folks cross the chasm. And look, you can get that sort of help from one of the big four consultancies. They'll sit you down. They'll teach you what you need to know, but it will cost you. Oh, because I've done some of that billing. I know it will cost you. Michelle's startup has found a different way. And to explain that, let me welcome Michelle Duval to This Week in Startups Australia. Welcome, Michelle. Hey, Mark. It's cool to be here. Thank you. So tell us what Fingerprint for Success does. Well, we describe ourselves as an online personal and professional development platform to help individuals and teams bring out the best in each other and ultimately work together to achieve crazy big goals. So, okay, crazy big goals. What, I mean, what do you mean by that? How do you how do you frame that for them for the organization? Well, particularly in as you coined, or not not that you coined it, I I, I think, but like you said, this post pandemic era is really uh, confronting a lot of different things. From how do I lead through this situation to how do I manage my own well being to how do I even uh, deal with the burnout that I'm facing on a day to day basis to be productive. So in terms of crazy big goals, they're much, much harder to deal with in this post-pandemic era because there is so much uncertainty, people are missing the skills that they need to be able to deal with that just in time. And so we ultimately help people to figure out what they need just in time and to effectively develop that as fast as they can. All right. So where did this idea come from? When did you decide there needs to be a startup that's going to focus on this? Well, I was one of the earliest kind of coaches. So it sort of gives away my age, but I had my first coaching firm back in 1997. And that was back in the day when I'd say, hey, I'm a, I'm a coach. And people would say, what sports team do you coach? <laughs> and obviously, you know, things have evolved enormously since then. And so I, I've, you know, for 23 years had a professional services coaching firm. And, you know, we do executive corporate coaching, we do personal coaching, and then we developed this whole niche area working with high growth ventures. So startups, um, what today is called a scale up, working with investors and VCs and the like. And, um, we just found that startups and scale-ups really struggled to be able to get access to the kind of human development. They just, like you said, just could not afford it. But at the same time, we realised that those who are in enterprise companies is probably not even 5% of those employees that get access to a coach. And it's wrong. Like I've, I love coaching. I mean, I've coached the best athletes in the world, the best founders, the best CEOs, actors, producers, writers, you name it. I've had the honour and privilege of coaching, which is super cool. But what's even cooler is to coach everyone else. Everyone else has the right to self-actualization. Okay, so how then do you cross that chasm? Because one of the things that we understand about coaching is that it is very person on person. It's time intensive for 
both parties in, involved. And in some ways, it's the most human act for all of us because it is such a person-to-person transfer of capacity, of knowledge, of belief. Well, you're absolutely right. And we've done a crazy big goal ourselves, and that was to launch the world's first personal artificially intelligent coach. The coach is called Marley, M-A-R-L-E-E, which is named by Aboriginal elders who um, named a tree um, which is uh, correlated with transformation. So Marley in Indigenous Australian means uh, transformation. And so our AI coach works with people two times a week uh, over eight-week programs towards very specific goals. And so our platform uses people analytics. So we basically assess people's motivation at work. We then help to give them feedback on that goal that they've set for themselves, giving them coaching recommendations. And then they start and the session's around five to 15 minutes long, twice a week. So basically they, they keep on checking in with the AI to sort of assess their progress and figure out where they need to go next. Yeah, it's developmental coaching. So we're developing people's attitudes, their beliefs, their self-identity. We've got programs on working through self-confidence, self-esteem, leadership, well-being. Um, And so people set a very personal goal and then Coach Marley orientates uniquely and personalizes the coaching program based on whatever their goal is. And, uh, yeah, we've been super surprised about how personal people are with Coach Marley. They're just as personal as they are with with a human coach. And in some ways, probably even a little bit more so because they know that, well, they believe anyway that that in some, I guess he's not going to, or Marley, we should, we don't want to assign a gender to them. We, no, we don't. That that is is not going to sort of I think go off piste and leak their secrets. Yeah, so obviously privacy is super important, and all the data is anonymized. And yes, we find people very candid. It's it's really really impressive. So does this mean that you have figured out how to create a scalable service offering out of out of coaching? Well, that's our mission. Our mission is that everyone in an organization can get access to that type of development and importantly, that they can do it everywhere. So one of the things that we're seeing with the pandemic, and, and you talked about it before, um, is how much attrition we're about to face. And we believe as the vaccinations continue to roll out around the world and borders start to open, all of our millennials in the workforce and our younger folk are just crying to be able to go and do something, be somewhere else, right? And so um, people are going to be... A lot, of, a lot of their elders are too at this point, <laughs> but yes. I think everybody, I think everybody is, but they're going to they're act on it, right? So yeah. uh, Gen Xers will grit their teeth and, and you know, honour their responsibilities, but our millennials are going to want to go and live a great life YOLO you know you only live once and they want to be able to work from anywhere and so how do we provide development how do we help people to be productive how do we do teaming and collaboration when you don't see your employees um, and how do you keep them you know, jamming and enjoying what they're doing and so Coach Marley is a really great tool for that. And it's already, this is something that's showing up in my practice as a futurist, that corporations are wondering how they continue to build team spirit when the team is radically more distributed than it ever has been. So how, I mean, how big does that market 
be now? Is it is this a global market that we're talking about? Yeah, we we have had uh, users of our platform globally from day one. We realized the other day that we've got users in 167 countries, um, wow. which was really, uh, really cool to discover. Um, at the moment, Coach Marley is only in English. And so being in all of those countries is still in English. Um, eventually, we will do translations and um, work in multiple different languages. Um, but the market is, for us, really uh, obviously a very significant market. We're focusing right now on high-growth ventures and innovative companies. And so we know that those who care about innovation and speed want to be able to flex and change rapidly to deal with the changes that the pandemic has put into the world. And they also super care about their employees. And so they know that there is a burning, burning situation. I'm calling it, instead of post-traumatic stress disorder, I'm calling it post-pandemic stress disorder. So just like PTSD, it's sitting there dormantly, seemingly, and then I think we're three months away from seeing the actual crystallis of that. And so the companies that are, uh, you know, the sort of companies that are using F4S are companies like um, Canva, um, KPMG High Growth Ventures, um, Google, Atlassian, all of the innovative companies that are at the forefront of figuring out the future of work and teaming. We're talking to Michelle Duval from Fingerprint for Success. And when we return, we'll ask her about what she has learned about success. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. Twista is proudly sponsored by Odoo. One of the toughest parts of building a company is choosing which tools and service providers to use. There are so many functions in a startup, and each space has endless vendors. There's sales tools, email marketing, accounting, HR and payroll, project management, customer support, point of sale, e-commerce. It goes on and on. And eventually, you end up with a Frankenstack of tools that cost a lot and don't integrate properly. Odoo is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that let you build and scale your stack as you scale your business. For instance, their accounting products are perfect for anyone who is ready to upgrade from Excel or QuickBooks, but doesn't want to break the bank with some of the more expensive options out there. It's simple and modular, so you use what you need, and all of their apps integrate perfectly with each other. Your first app is free forever. And right now, Odoo is offering a $1,000 credit on your first implementation pack. That's not a joke. Take $1,000 off. Go to odoo.com slash twista to check it out. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash twista. Welcome back. We're talking to Michelle Duval, founder of Fingerprint for Success. Michelle, I would like to pivot our own conversation toward success. You have studied it. You must have some really good insight on what works. So what have you learned about what makes an organization, and particularly because you deal with them high-growth startups and scale-ups, what have you learned about what makes them successful? 
Well, Mark, we did two world first studies. So we're really fascinated in what we call success factors. So Jim Collins wrote some really cool books, Good to Great and Built to Last, et cetera. And he, he, like myself, is a researcher and really looks for evidence-based distinctions around what is the distinction from good performers and the top performers. So looking at the world's best, but the top of the top. And so we looked at a study looking at um, people who had sold their businesses between 6 million and 1.2 billion. And we looked at the mindset, leadership, motivational styles of those leaders versus founders who had actually had to liquidate their businesses and go bankrupt. And we found some significant distinguishing um, correlations. One of them was that those most successful leaders in high growth ventures have what we call a very strong bias for abstract big picture thinking. They're comfortable with ambiguity. They don't need a lot of detail to be able to understand something, which means they're able to move really very quickly. We found many correlations with more rounds of venture capital, larger scale in those high growth ventures. And we also found, um, importantly, that they were able to achieve significant value, whether it be through an IPO or whether it be through some sort of an exit. Similarly to what we call that abstract big picture global thinking, we also found um, kind of the definition of hustle in a high growth venture, which is a bias for initiation. So initiation is the speed at which you turn your ideas into the very first step. And comparatively to uh, enterprise leaders, um, they were high growth leaders, nearly one standard deviation got a stronger bias than the enterprise leader for taking action on their ideas. Again, correlated with more scale, again, correlated with more venture capital, correlated with bigger exits and IPOs. Um, We found alongside those two success factors, we found two critical uh, failure factors. One was uh, a high focus on detail. So being concrete and very specific and perfecting things correlated with early stage venture failure. And we saw that a high focus on structure, so planning, organising before taking action was correlated with early stage venture failure. But what we saw in our high growth ventures that are scaling is that their focus on detail and structure needs to increase as the venture scales. And very often the leaders who were successful in the early stages fail to make that transition. And Mark Zuckerberg is probably the category definition because the beginning of Facebook was move fast and break things, right? Which is very much the embodiment of don't worry about the detail, demo or die, get it up and running. But of course, now that he's running a trillion dollar company, he's being hung out to dry precisely because he isn't testing his things and moving slowly and allowing all the rest of that. So that is a beautiful piece of learning. All right. So for people who are listening and even for myself, what skills do we need to think about growing in ourselves? What capacities do we need so that we can approach that standard deviation away that these great leaders that you studied have? Yeah, so that initiation, I mean, that, that is if you're focused on high growth. If you're not focused on high growth, you don't need, you don't need to, you know, you don't need to level up, right? But if your mission is the high growth, um, it's the speed at which you trust yourself to take action without knowing what the second step is, right? And so we call that self-efficacy. Self-efficacy is the belief and trust, I'll figure it out as I go. Um, and the comfort with the, the first step might be the wrong step and that you calibrate that and use that as feedback. So we think of that as thinking on the go 
rather than pausing and waiting while you think. Um, so that really is the epitome of that high growth hustle. Um, we, we've got a whole lot of data sets of unicorn founders and in the unicorn founders, they are even higher on this initiation and they have even lower reflection of patience than their centurion um, founding friends um, who, you know, have $100 million exits. They have high initiation but not as high as the unicorn founders. Right, and of course, I guess Travis Kalanick Uber is, is a <laughs> good category definition of that sort of thing. Again, always turning the business over. And finally, of course, being thrown out of, but what was at the time it went public, almost a $100 billion business. So, so there's, you can see how that pulls in both directions. All right. You have studied success, Michelle. When you created Thinkerprint for Success, how did you try to embody the lessons that you had learned from other startups and other high growth businesses in your own practice for success? Well, it's a good question. Uh, like every founder, lots of scraped knees and lots of learnings, but I have been very fortunate to have that research and to have that at the front of my mind. And one of the uh, the biases that I've had as a professional coach prior to being a tech founder um, is I had a very high focus on what we call external reference. So I want you as my coachee, I want you to author your own decisions. I want you to think through, make your own decisions. So I value data. I value user feedback. I value all of these things, which are super important as a product founder. But what we found in our research was that our high growth successful founders have a very strong what's called internal reference. They have their own locus of control. They use their own criteria for decision making. And no matter what really their investors and other stakeholders say, if they've got a strong, you know, world defining vision, they're very comfortable just to back that. Travis, great example, right? To just go against it and do what they think is right. And so what supported me as a professional coach was being low on that internal reference and high on the external reference, right? That was a success factor in the context of being a professional coach. But in the context of being the founder myself, I've had to really focus on shifting that and changing that so less external, much less, and high internal. And so it's been a process of developing. How do we build our own internal sense of, I guess it's trust, self-worth, there's a whole set of qualities there. How do we do what you are now in the process of doing? It's a constant process of uh, building that uh, trust and comfort to be have other people uh, be negative, disagree, to be challenging, to be provocative, to blame, criticise, all of those things, and to be willing to take a stand behind one's beliefs and values. And so, yeah. All right. Now, when you look for people to join you, to work with you in the business on this journey, what qualities for success are you looking for in them? Well, I'm looking for the qualities that I was just speaking about, that high initiation, that high big picture, that low detail, that low structure. We're still in the early stages. Um, and I also want people to have some high internal reference because that means that they can be empowered to lead out in their area and that they don't need a constant amount of anyone checking in with them. So they're definitely the qualities that I'm looking for. And someone who has a real deep mission to change the world because that really is the heart of our business. Michelle, it has been an absolute pleasure listening to your wisdom of success on This Week in Startups Australia. Thank you for joining us.
Twist Day is proudly sponsored by User Testing. Are you launching a new product, developing a new prototype, rolling out a new campaign? User Testing lets you see, hear, and talk to your customers to understand how they experience your brand, your product, and your services. Chubbies, a men's casual apparel brand. They gained valuable insights by asking some of their customers to explain why they love their Chubbies shorts, when they wore them last, even asking for new product suggestions to guide their product roadmap. So put yourself in your customer's shoes with user testing. Request your free trial at usertesting.com twista and get the fast human insights you need to make more informed business decisions at scale. In the midst of the pandemic, I remember getting an email from someone I'd mentored over at Stone & Chalk at a company that was working in sort of agriculture. And it, I don't have a lot of background in agriculture. What I was able to do was to help him out with some sense about what to do about marketing and working with the press and a release schedule and how you could announce various things. And I was very happy to do that from my own limited experience with these things was very happy to give him time and advice and we met several times until it was impossible to meet anymore and did some further follow-ups over emails. The email he sent along was that he was closing down the startup and that's sad news. It does happen all the time. It's sad news when it happens. But then he went on at length to explain his journey and everything that he had learned. And it became clear as I'm reading this very detailed email that he's been very thoughtful about what he's learned and he will be able to take those lessons to whatever he does in the future. And I am convinced that when he gets another idea to do a startup, he will have an entire community ready to back him because he left them all on the best possible note. But from my own point of view, that was the last experience I had mentoring a startup. Now, I have been mentoring as much as I can for the last 10, 12 years, really since I finished up my own last startup and had time to do this and had an opportunity to share what I'd learned from my years of experience working in technology and my years of experience running or working in startups. And the pandemic has interrupted that. And the pandemic has interrupted that because so much of what we think of as mentoring is really based on two people getting together over a cup of coffee and having an honest conversation about what's going on. And sometimes a mentoring session can be a lot like a therapy session where someone's really just pouring out their heart to you and telling you what their problems are and you're just listening. Sometimes you're able to reflect and offer a solution. Sometimes you can't and that is absolutely okay. There's not a problem with that. It's just the nature of that. And other times you can get in there and say, no, mate, you are doing it wrong. This is the way you have to do it. You will get into big trouble. And part of what you learn is whether the other person is listening, how they're listening, and you're really getting a read on what they are as an individual and where they have strengths and where they have deficiencies. And you can point gently to where they need to work on those deficiencies. Sometimes they will. 
sometimes they won't. Sometimes they won't until a lot later. There's another company that I mentored that I walked away from swore that I would never go near them again because they failed pretty much every way they could. And in the biggest possible way, which was that they really didn't seem to be committed to their startup but they're back now. And other people I know are working with them and mentoring them. And I have to make a decision within myself. Do I say, yeah, I guess that's okay. I guess it's possible for people to change. Or do I just continue to hold a grudge? And I'm not like that. I won't hold that grudge. We have to understand that, in fact, we all do change. And hopefully we change because we all have an opportunity to influence one another. And the pandemic has interrupted that incredible chain of influence. Right now, there's a generation of entrepreneurs who are perhaps in the midst of their first startups who have had to thrive in an environment where they haven't had the same kind of day-to-day interactions with the people who have important things to share with them about their own experience that can help them reflect and improve the experience of that moment. And we need to think about how to recover that. You know, this post-pandemic stress disorder that Michelle talked about, it's real and it's bigger than we see right now because the world isn't back to normal. And even after the world gets back to normal, it will not feel fully normal because a lot of these human connections will need to be rebuilt. We will need to think about them. We will need to work toward them. We will need to recover them. And hopefully we'll do it even better this time because you don't think about it when it's just there. You only think about it after it's gone. And to recover it, we will need to think about it again. And hopefully when we do that, we will be able to do it in a way that is better. Would it survive another pandemic? Who knows, right? We don't really know. But what we can do is get out there and make those connections and help those startups in any way that we can to share our own lessons so that they can find their ways to success. That is part of the tradition of being in the startup community because it's a community. It is not a store. It is not simply a bank. It is a community of people who are sharing with one another what they've learned on their journey. So we need to think now about what it will take in Australia to restart that. Yeah, sure, it's going to be about getting together and having a beer bust and having conferences and all of the things that we've always crowded our schedules with, but it's going to be more an action of intent. How do I help these folks who are right in front of me now on their journey? You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. We will be right back. Twista is proudly sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform to build a beautiful online presence and run your business. With Squarespace, you can blog, publish content, promote your business, announce upcoming events and special projects, sell products and services of all kinds, and much more. No matter what you need to do online, Squarespace has the answer. And don't take their word for it. Here's what the folks at Remote Demo Day have to say. Back in 2020, they decided to create Remote Demo Day for founders to pitch to thousands of angel investors live. They purchased the domain RemoteDemoDay.com and had the site up and running in minutes because Squarespace is so easy to use. Remote Demo Day has been a success so far, and Squarespace has played a huge part in that. 
From websites to online stores, from marketing tools to analytics, Squarespace has what you need to succeed online. Go to squarespace.com twista for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the code twista to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com twista. Michelle Duval had so much to say about success that it's nearly impossible to summarize. But I want to pull out at least one big thing, which is that the most successful leaders are the ones who are most capable of dealing with ambiguity. They're capable of operating from their guts, not just with incomplete data, but really saying, look, at this is what we're going to do right now. If it doesn't work, we will pivot, we will change, we will be flexible, we will learn from our mistakes. And we hear all of this. That's all kind of the, the, the received wisdom of the startup community. But Turning that into action, saying that you're actually going to do that and then doing that, that is something else altogether. And yes, there's a certain kind of individual who will be more comfortable with that kind of risk, but all of us are capable of it. All of us can do this if we make up our minds to do it. Big thanks to Twisted sponsors Odoo, User Testing, and Squarespace. Thanks to our production partners at UTS Startups for their assistance. Huge thanks to Michelle Duval of Fingerprint for Success for making the time to come onto our show. Come visit our website at twistartupsaus.com. It's got everything. It's got all the shows, all the interviews, all the photos, and all the links to all the stories. So check it out at twistartupsaus.com. We'll be back in a few weeks zeroing in on what we've learned about success in the first half of Series 9. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening to This Week in Startups Australia.